Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Making a Disney Fan Podcast. Thanks for listening and letting us be a part of your world. <laughs> okay, that was good. I like that. Yeah, thank you. I, I worked very hard on that greeting. All right, so I'm going to introduce our hosts. Um, that was Sarah. She is our Ariel. I have a feeling you're going to be a lot of princesses as we go along. It's just going to be the way the cards fall. Is that- you know, Sarah means princess. So I did not know that. It was meant to be. And joining me here is our very own Grimsby. This is Brandon. Hello, hello. And Which one is Grimsby again? Uh, Grimsby is the old manservant. Oh. Who's a bit grumbly. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I might I might say Brandon's more of a Sebastian. Sebastian. A little grumpy, oh. but like along for the ride. Good friend. Yeah, I like still. that one a little yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess that does make it sound a lot more like you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I am your very own Eric, because I am handsome and wonderful at the same time. You would say that. I would. And I, I am the one making these, these up. So, yeah, I am Eric. That's even true. Though at t- you get to yeah, make Yeah, even call. though at times I definitely relate with King Triton being a father myself, but yeah. Because... Because we all know you have those abs. Oh. <laughs> abs that yeah. just work for days. Zach and washboard abs are synonymous with each other. Oh, what about those pecs? I have the, oh, those yeah. massive pecs, too, at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Don't anybody look at my Facebook profile. You will be sorely disappointed. <laughs> All right. Well, in case you guys didn't understand what movie we are going to be talking about from our banter we are going to be talking about the little mermaid 1989's wonderful film and kicking us off is our very own sebastian with our newbie recap brandon take her away all right guys uh, <laughs> yeah sebastian i much prefer that one <laughs> okay so what's up it's your boy talking about the little mermaid I remember this one only because my sister never stopped watching it. Like, my sister never stopped watching it. My sister still never stopped watching (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you'd think think I'd remember a lot more of it, being that I've seen it so many times. But, no. No, not really. It was a much different film than I thought it was going to be. I mean, like, it was basically your basic Disney princess uh, story. It was very similar to Snow White a lot of storytelling aspects there's just a lot more like political stuff in there that i didn't think about so i'll just get into it here it basically starts off we have uh we're under the ocean or under the sea if you will (laughs) um and we're introduced to the mermaid land i guess atlantica oh you got it it called atlantica so so we're, we're introduced to atlantica and king triton's castle which i only recognized now through like an inappropriate image that was very there, uh 
it, risque back in the day, but you do not you do not see that yeah. anymore. Actually, you don't. No. It Completely. Was, no. It was just the VHS cover. Yeah, yeah. There's just the VHS cover. There was the yeah. whole scandalous it's, thing. That's like I know. That's where I know Triton's Castle from. But um, yeah. I have a little spoiler fun fact Ooh. for you, real quick. My sister thrifted the original movie poster, so she has the phallic shaped turret poster. Good for her. Wall. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, King Triton's Castle. It is what it is. Uh, we're introduced to Sebastian and Triton, and they're putting on a musical for, I think, Ariel's, like, 16th birthday or 15th birthday or something. And, like, all the sisters are, like, getting released in these flower things, but she's not there because she's off, like, looking for human things in the ocean with Flounder, who, by the way, is the cutest yeah. thing. Like, I like Flounder. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. He is quite adorable. He is adorable for a sidekick. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how he's around so much in the movie. Like, even when she, like, like goes to the castle. Mm-hmm. But whatever. So they are basically finding things. She finds a fork, uh, brings it up to a bird, who is one of my favorite characters. Is Scuttle? Correct. Scuttle. One of my favorite characters, just because he's a complete OG at the end, but we'll get to that. And he he says it's a dingle hopper, and he's, you know, like, how you comb your hair. So for the rest of the movie, she's basically trying to comb her hair with a fork. Anyway, so she gets in trouble with King Triton, and he's all like, don't go to the humans, don't do that. And she goes up, and she decides to take, I think, Flounder, and they go see a fireworks show on a pirate ship or maybe they're not pirates i guess they're like royal and she like sneaks on she's talking to them she's like oh he's so beautiful and they do that whole like love at first sight thing and then and then there's like a ship crash and she saves eric's life eric is the prince she saves his life and she like is singing at him while he's like dying and drowning and he just like luckily wakes up because no one helps him she just sings and he like sees this singing girl and he's like, I'm I'm totally in love. So like she goes back, King Triton, whatever, is like, Where have you been? And she's all like, I love him, Daddy. And she he straight up destroys all of her stuff. All of her like also there's like Prince Eric statue. I'm not yeah, I forgot about that. There's a Prince Eric statue that they put on the ship. Why you would build a statue to bring it onto a ship, to sail it out in the middle of nowhere, only to presumably bring it back and put it back to where it was beyond me but anyway this statue's now down there and he, he blows it up with his like fork thingy <laughs> and she gets all upset so she goes and finds ursula ursula's the sea witch they keep calling her the sea witch she's basically like half octopus half woman and like honestly as an adult she is animated like super sexily like i'm not she sure is sexily is a word but she is like fabulous she flaunts whatever she has but mm-hmm. like even, like, with her dance moves, she does, like, the boob, like, bounce thing into the camera. Or, like, when she jumps off the thing and she, like, unfolds and you just get that shot of, like, underneath her as she comes down onto you. It's, like, mm-hmm. for, like, a weird, surprisingly scary children's villain, they really, like, went a completely weird erotic route with her. Well, I'll take a fun fact with this. Sorry if this is in your fun facts, Sarah. Probably is. Well, how about you say who is who is Ursula designed or based off of? Ursula's 
based off of two people actually um well not two people a person and a creature so bottom half obviously inspired by an octopus but she's not really an octopus she only has six tentacles so she's actually um a mythical creature called a cecilia that is half human half octopus but her top half is based off of the drag queen divine divine yeah yeah, yeah. He passed away a year before the movie came out, unfortunately, oh. so he didn't get to see it. That is sad. But yeah, they based it off of him. That that's really interesting. Yep. But yeah, yeah. But I thought that was like a very weird like detail for her that she was just like, she's a weird, not an octopus monster. We just learned that, but she's an yeah. octopus like monster. But she, she was animated like so erotically, you could say. Yeah. I still really liked her, as opposed to, like, if I was going to just start fresh and counter up to, like, the Snow White Queen, way better villain. Mm-hmm. Way better villain. Okay, so Ursula has this contract. She's like, I'll give you legs um, for three days, and you got to make, in, like, so you can go into the land, make Eric fall in love with you in three days. And if you don't, you, like, you belong to me, uh... And it's just, all this is in exchange for her voice. So she has to give up her voice for her legs to be a part of the uh, like the kingdom, I guess. And Ursula, basically, the, I guess the concept is like when you become Ursula, she just turns you into a creature on the bottom of the floor that looks like the Monstars, you know, from like Space Jam, <laughs> like before they got big. Oh, they just yeah. look like oh there's a bunch of Monstars. Awesome. I did not make that connection. <laughs> totally. yeah, I love like, it. Yeah. They look like the Monstars. I kept expecting Weakling like mon- them to get like a, a basketball with like Charles Barkley's talent or something. Just, but totally. so yep. she she risks that in order to go onto the land for three days to try and make Eric fall in love with them. And she gets on and then he finds her on a rock. And they're like, oh, whatever. He tries to go talk to her. And she says, oh, I can't talk. And he's like, oh, you're definitely not the girl. Despite clearly seeing her while she stood above him and sang... It, uh, yeah, because it's not possible she just lost her voice. Yeah, yeah. This is this like, is laryngitis couldn't be a thing. Yeah, this is my like Snow White is dumb. Like this is my like Prince Eric is dumb. Like yeah. how? And we go into this whole deal where they're trying to convince him to marry her because like the whole kingdom likes her, which by the way is very low standards for a kingdom. Um, like we don't know this girl. Honestly, our prince kind of just found her on a rock outside the ocean. But let's make her queen essentially. Um, but sure, so they're trying to convince Eric to, like, marry her. And it's kind of working for a bit, but then Ursula pulls the Snow White Queen move and, like, transforms herself to, uh... And uses Ariel's voice, actually. That's slightly different. I thought that was cool. She's got, like, a seashell filled with Ariel's voice. So she uses her voice to convince Eric to think, like, oh, this is the girl that sang to me. Doesn't mean anything that they don't look the same or anything, you know, but it works for him, I guess. And he gets, I mean, he gets kind of hypnotized, like Loki Mm -hmm. style. He's got the glow in the eyes. Yeah. But, um, so they have this wedding on a boat for some reason, you know, got everything's on a boat. They're very nautical nation. Statue, statue ceremonies on a boat. Ariel's all trying to like save Eric, I guess, or like swim out to try and get the kiss essentially because she's still got her legs poor flounder she is like i'm not sure if she's on a boat or if he's just pulling her a barrel a barrel he this tiny little flounder i googled the size of a flounder by the way Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh 
that ain't happening. Like, straight up. But anyway. Magic of Disney. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this tiny little flounder fish drags this girl all the way into the ocean. And, like, this is where I think Scuttle's an OG. Because he just comes and he's, like, bombing everybody with different birds. <laughs> just to, like, mess up the wedding while And dolphins. And, and dolphins. Sea stars like, yeah, and, there's other things. But I'm talking about seals. how Scuttle's an OG. He's <laughs> got them all. But, um, so obviously, clearly, Scuttle's an OG. And he's just protecting Ariel. And they get there, the seashell falls from uh, Ursula's neck, and it breaks, and Ariel gets her voice back, and all of a sudden, then Eric's like, oh yeah, you are the girl. And like, okay, sure, but then like, too late, we're too late, you didn't make it in time, the sun went down, Ariel loses her legs, she goes down, she's like getting dragged, and then Triton trades his life for Ariel's and he becomes one of the monsters. Yeah, he loses his pecs and his abs. Yeah, loses his like shredded physique to become a monster. And of course, Ursula takes his crown, goes crazy, basically becomes like Godzilla. Like she's a kaiju, just like it's almost like that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean, to be honest, like the third one. Mm-hmm. And actually like the entire scene is like that because there's the whole the giant like woman and then there's the whirlpool, and there's all the pirate ships, like, around this whirlpool. It is, like, pretty much the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, well, just or the third animated Pirates form. of the Caribbean is like that. I guess, yeah. They, they stole it from Little Mermaid. But, like, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And Eric decides to just come and be a straight-up boss. And he, like, swims his way through this whirlpool, pretty much. Climbs his way up a boat, yeah, and then like gr- drives the boat with its like broken mast and just straight up stabs her with a boat, just murders this creature with a boat. It's actually kind of violent. It's in like, kind of. I like it. It's cool. It's just a she very. Gets it's just a very violent, very violent thing, but. Disney movies are really violent. Yeah, that's another thing. I totally forgot about the whole, like, scene in the castle with the chef. Where he's just like, I kill fish and I rip their spines out. Or whatever it is. I'm like, damn, this movie got dark. Like, they're talking about some real stuff right now. Mm. And, like, Under the Sea, also, not the song I thought it was. There's, There's a lot of stuff there, like... He's, like, telling her not to go up because people are just going to kill her and stuff. And I'm like, I thought that song was just fun. <laughs> like, but, but, but it is when you don't actually know listen the Listen to the lyrics, yeah, I guess. I do got to say, though, I, um, I recognized more songs than I thought I would. I thought I was really only going to remember Under the Sea. But, like, I remember that part of your world. I don't know if that's what it's called. It is. Um, I remember Poor Unfortunate Souls. Which is kind of hard to overlook because it's kind of like the be prepared moment of the Little, little Mermaid. Yeah. But like I, I had forgotten about it, but I was like, oh yeah, this one. There's like one or two others that I was like, you know, like I recognized it actually. Mm-hmm. So I guess like more of it stuck with me than I thought, just not the plot, maybe mm-hmm. just the music. I concur. That makes sense. Um, overall though, like I liked it a lot more than I liked Snow White. Uh, that's for sure. Um, huge improvement on Ariel's voice, even though they kind of shut her up for the whole movie, um, which is weird. But huge improvement. She's not like whiny and annoying like Snow White. Snow White. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was much better than Snow White. Interesting. 
Um, I don't think it has much to say in the way of like, like I feel like a message coming out of it is kind of just like that women need to change who they are. Like I feel like it's such an anti, like it's such it's not a message for little girls in my mind, even though it's a movie for little girls. I yeah. think the message is kind of like. Like an antithesis and anti-feminist yeah kind of it's just like so, yeah whereas when we were talking about snow white like that one isn't anti-feminist with when it got, comes to snow white herself yeah but like that's what we were discussing in, in that in that part but little mermaid kind of is anti-feminist when it comes to the her well i guess she does have agency over what she does yeah but her whole purpose mm-hmm. is getting a man to fall yeah that's her however she can that's another thing like she like yeah. it, it's almost like they also like weigh her value on her ability to fall in love or get a man like mm-hmm. triton's yeah. actually like really happy for her all of a sudden when she's like oh she's in love because he thinks it's a mermaid but it's just like let's let's also remember she's 16 years old that's yeah. that's another although i had to google it i had to like i was curious about that eric's like 18 which is still questionable yeah, but the it's only period. a two-year no, difference. But time period-wise, it's one of those. Uh, yeah. Better than Snow White. Better oh, than, yeah, absolutely. Snow White, was, Snow White was too young. Mm-hmm. So yeah, overall, better than Snow White. But I'm not sure if it's sending the right messages to the audience that it was made for. Yeah. Back to you. All right. <laughs> so it's on to me with Deep Dive Disney. Now my memories, before I go on to the diving deep into this film. My memories of this film, I was born in 1990, so the year after this one came out, so of course I always had a VHS of it, always, and I watched it on a regular basis. I think there was a point where I just kind of stopped for a, for a while with when other new things came out, like the 2000s and stuff like that, mm. and, and other things that came on, but you know, I still enjoyed the film as from moment to moment, but... Um, and then when I got like into my late teen years, I'm just came to the idea that you know it's a little silly with with Ariel, and I didn't like Ariel as much because you know she's just acting out like a essentially acting like a teenager, and that just drove me nuts. But then you know as I got older, and I kind of made the connection like yes, she's acting like a teenager, but that's what teenagers act like oftentimes when they're think that they're in love and and being like that. So that's kind of a character thing. But the thing that definitely stuck with me is what you were saying like the music the the music is one of those things that just holds up every song i love every song in this film what won the oscar for under the sea under the sea won an oscar yeah yeah uh it was also nominated for kiss the girl and i and i believe part of your world was also nominated so i think it was like a triple nomination Uh, do you have the information there I do. Um, original score, they won. Yeah. Best song, they won for Under the Sea, nominated Kiss the Girl. Part of Your World wasn't nominated. Okay, okay so just so two nominations for... But the cool thing about, about this, about the Oscar win, actually, is the fact that uh, the man who wrote the score, Alan Men- Menken, it was his first score. That was Alan Menken's first score. First yeah. score. He did not write anything before full score wise he did some like interludes and things like that before but this is his first score and he won an oscar that's and crazy he, he thought it was terrible he thought he was gonna get fired yeah he, 
He thought he did a terrible job. <laughs> well, uh, the other guy that worked on the music, uh, Howard Howard Ashman, very influential to the movie itself, but it was also an interesting choice of, for for him to be working on it because previously his you want to know what he was best known for? Do what? you want to know, Sarah, or do you already know? I know a lot of this stuff already, but go ahead. Okay, I sorry. Know. <laughs> All right, he is he is known for writing Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, I used to love Little Shop of Horrors when I was younger. Little Shop of Horrors. In case anybody doesn't know, listening, Little Shop of Horrors is an amazing uh, off-Broadway play that turned into a movie with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin and a couple other cameos in there, but Rick Moranis and Steve Martin are the only ones that really matter, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but it is an amazing film, but it's a horror a horror musical comedy, comedy yeah. that is just amazing, but it's just so not Disney. Yeah. So Howard Ashman went and from that to Little Mermaid, but the thing that he brought to the film was the Broadway aspect. Because Little Mermaid, structurally, musically, it's very Broadway. Hmm. And one of the biggest things that he brought to it was was the song Part of Your World, which is the the moment of I want. It's the I want song. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, and it's something that became a staple with a lot of Disney films. You'll see that later on. The other cool thing is, um, is this is the, this film was the beginning of the Disney Renaissance. And... In case you don't know, Brandon, the Disney Renaissance is, like, a big thing. It's actually, like, a definable period of Disney yeah. between 89 and 99, where their films were just hit after hit after hit. But then they had to make a conclusion to it, and it just was the right time, because pretty much right after things started to decline significantly. Uh, mm -hmm. But before Little Mermaid, Disney was in a dark place they were not making very successful movies and they were not they they were interesting like i enjoy a number of these films but they are not top tier uh disney films <laughs> uh but yeah the renaissance was very significant for for disney and it because before that disney animators were actually booted out of the out of the building that they were working in for decades they were <laughs> working in essentially uh trailers it was really crazy stuff but yeah this kicked off the disney renaissance and restarted disney's faith in animation because they were losing faith so yeah th those are some of the points i really wanted to make the other thing I was really wanting to talk about was Ursula, but we already talked a bunch about her. <laughs> so I just want to say one thing about Ursula. Uh, at one point, I was doing this thing of like trying to rank the Disney villains by measuring out different attributes of them. Hmm. And Ursula was by far the highest ranking <laughs> in regards to different attributes because she was scary. She got turned into a kaiju-sized kraken. And she did. Um, then her plan 
was that that was another factor is is the plan she had the plan of taking an angsty teenager a love lovesick teenager and using her to take control of the oceans of yeah. all the oceans become ruler of all and it's just like how do you get from point a to point a point f yeah <laughs> it's just how do you do that then the other cool thing was the lackeys we didn't talk about the lackeys mm. um flotsam and jetsam these moray eels that are yeah. really creepy they're pretty creepy but also and, kind of ineffectual well i think that they were actually very they were very competent I don't know. One of them got backed off by Flounder with, like, just getting slapped around well, by his fin. Yes, like, you're not but, a very competent not, sidekick I'm not gonna, if Flounder... I'm not going the, by the, the climax. I'm going by by the seduction. I guess, Because yeah. they were the ones that, like, oh, Ursula has great power. And then they do, like, the perfect thing where they're just like, it was only a suggestion. And, like, just knock the the face mask of the statue at her just like just and then willing to go away but they were just like it was one of those moments where you could he- hear their thoughts are just like three two one wait yeah pretty much so they were very competent and yeah. not just they were not comedic relief and they flipped the boat and kissed the girl so yeah they were but... they were competent until yeah. that moment. Yes, Flounder. They're just kind of, not good fighters. Yeah, not good fighters <laughs> in that regard. The point is an evil henchman if he's not a good mm-hmm. fighter. And then, Fair. Poor Unfortunate Souls. Best Disney villain song, in my opinion. It's a pretty good one. I, I put it above Be Prepared because of the the beginning start and the ending. Like It's a, it's a huge crescendo and it's such a plot device, and just the, and then the movements that she does throughout the entire song, it just builds and builds and builds. It's such a great, great song, wonderfully performed. Yeah, I'd have to listen to more. Like, we'll have to get deeper into this yeah. before I can actually make a call on that one, I think. But like, oh, absolutely. Honestly, the, one that, the only one that stuck with me the entire time that I would know offhand is Be, be Prepared. So it, I would have it to is definitely the best. main competition, in my like, opinion. I think There's that would Be Prepared been... and Poor Unfortunate Souls. The only other one that comes close, in my opinion, is uh, Friends on the Other Side from uh, Princess and the Frog. But mm-hmm. that, that's a long ways off. I've never seen that. Yeah. Before. Uh, so yeah, that was me ta- Oh, and the other factor that really propels her is demise. Is, oh. Like we talked about her demise. How would you feel if you went to the, um, you know, afterlife and just be like, Oh, how did you get here? Oh, I was impaled by a ship, yeah. electrocuted, and exploded. Yeah, it was, it was intense. Like, quite intense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cartoon death. Yeah. It, it, it was, it's, it's way up there. And just to add to what you said before, I really love how awesome and heroic that Eric moment was before. Because mm. he's literally in a freaking maelstrom. Yeah. He catches a rope and climbs out yeah. in this whirlpool and climbs the rope and immediately runs on and just steers the ship into her. Yeah. It was pretty boss. It was nice to actually get to see him do something as opposed to the prince in Snow White. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty useless. Yeah, like, he didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is almost all that I have, except one other thing to talk about, and that's the original. A little bit on the, ori- on the original Hans Christian Andersen story. And she actually has her tongue removed by the sea witch for, as, like, an ingredient for, for her legs. Yeah, it's, like, a similar concept to losing your voice. It is. Yeah. But the other thing that I find really interesting is that when she's walking, she's actually in an insane amount of pain. She actually, like, in from what I understand, she feels like she's walking on glass the yeah. entire time. Why? Because it's Hans Christian Andersen. She, yeah. He's pretty dark. <sighs> Fairy tales are not yeah. nice. Like, yeah, wait until we get to Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that is all that I have for Deep Dive Disney. I hope I didn't steal too much from you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On to you, Sarah. All right. Well, kicking it off with my memories, which honestly, not a lot. Um, something that I have learned as I've gotten older is I have terrible memory when it comes to my childhood. No <laughs> idea why. Uh, I don't know what it is, but my sister fills in the blanks, so... I know that she loves The Little Mermaid because she still watches it all the time. If you listen to our last episode when I interviewed her, she said it was the movie she watched the most last year. Um, but yeah, she loved it, so I'm certain I watched it a lot. <laughs> Don't remember it, but I'm sure I did. I just remember always liking it. So I don't yeah. know when it came to be part of my life, but it's just kind of always been there. It's always been good. And I do remember it, unlike Snow White, which... There was stuff in it that I hadn't remembered, even though I had watched a lot as a kid. So, Hmm. yeah. Um, On to fun facts and trivia. Um, Like last time, I took a lot of this information from the books, Files of Character from the Walt Disney Studios by Jeff Curti and the Disney book by Jim Fanning, as well as the good old internet. (laughs) Um, So something interesting, I think, about this is Ariel was the first Disney princess in 30 years. The last one was Aurora in Sleeping Beauty, and she's only the fourth Disney princess. So we're already pretty much into the 90s, and she's only the fourth one. I thought we had like a million Disney princesses. We We do now. 14 or 16 or something like that. Yeah, we have a lot now, but prior to Ariel, there wasn't that many. So Interesting. (laughs) Sleeping Beauty didn't perform the the greatest, so they kind of avoided it for a little while. Hmm. Yeah, so very interesting. Um, when they were creating her, there was a big discussion around the color they would make her hair. So they were going to make her blonde originally, because everybody has to be blonde, of course. Um, but Splash had come out recently, and they didn't want to copy it. Um, so they were like, let's try red hair, it'll go good with her green fin. Speaking of the green fin, they created that color, it's called Ariel. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but they decided to go with red hair, and they were really worried about it, but obviously it paid off because that's how everybody knows Ariel now, is red hair. Um, And then, nice. Yeah, absolutely. And to make the movement of her hair in the water, they actually studied an astronaut named Sally Ride while she was in space. So that's not water Mm -hmm. hair, that's zero gravity hair. That's cool. Yeah, that makes sense, because water hair doesn't do that. No, not quite. (laughs) It's a lot stringier than that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she was the first princess that sort of paved the way for self-empowered princesses. Obviously, we've established that her motivation was not the best. Not a great example, but she's starting to mm-hmm. get that princess in mind that knows what she wants and goes for it. Yeah, she still had, like I said, she still had some agency to herself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I have this quote here from Glenn Keane. He was an animator of Ariel. He said, what makes Ariel real and identifiable is her struggle to be free and her father's struggle to let her grow up. And something that I find interesting, watching this as a child or even as a young teenager, mm. I was so on Ariel's side. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, oh, yeah, she deserves to be free. Let's do this, Ariel. Go. And now I watch and she goes, I'm not a child, daddy. I'm 16 years old. And I'm like, you're a child. Yeah. Girl. Please, sit down. Yeah. Sit down and go to your room. <laughs> Let's nail your fins to the floor. Like, you need to listen to your father. Because now I, I think about myself as a 16-year-old. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Sarah. Yep. Were, come on. Yeah, you huh? definitely know you've reached adulthood when you uh, when you empathize Side with, with King Triton. Triton. Yeah. yeah. I feel... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, first little um, fun little tidbit. Uh there are some characters hidden within the recital at the beginning. Ooh, Mickey Mouse is be? there, Goofy, and Donald Duck. So I knew those three already before yeah, doing this I, research. Yeah, I knew that one as well. Yeah, so Mickey, Goofy, and Donald are there. But also in the crowd, Kermit the Frog, oh, which cool. I didn't know, Mr. Limpet, uh, and the Duke and King from Cinderella. Wow. Kermit yeah. the Frog wasn't Disney then, though. Um, no? not, th- not at that point. I think it was like... A few, uh, just a couple years after. Yeah, so like that, yeah. very interesting. interesting. Yeah, and uh, the the website I looked at this on had screenshots to prove it, so hmm. kind of cool. Um, and then of course there are hidden Mickey's in the movie. There's one oh. in Ursula's contract, and there's one behind yeah. Chef Louie in the kitchen. I noticed the one in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, voice of Ariel, Jody Benson, amazing, beautiful human. Um, but the model of Ariel was inspired by two people. So first off was Sherry Stoner. Uh, she actually worked in animation for a really long time. She created and voiced Slappy Squirrel in the Animaniacs. <laughs> she co-wrote Casper, and she helped with the TV show. She mm. co-wrote the Disney film My Favorite Martian. Yeah. But they... I ins- actually seen that one. <laughs> yeah, she was an inspiration for Ariel. She would bite her lip the same way Ariel does, so they gave that mannerism to Ariel based on her. She also inspired the mannerisms of Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so she had a very interesting career. She did some live-action stuff as well, but they also modeled Ariel after Alyssa Milano, who didn't know about it until after. Mm. (laughs) But, you know, I wouldn't be upset if Disney modeled a princess after me. 89. I was still young Alyssa Milano. Was that... um, like, uh, trying to figure out what era what, Alyssa Milano that would be. I think I was about to say say my cousin Vinny, but that's Marissa Tomei. I'm thinking. <laughs> Marissa Tomei. <laughs> yeah, not the I same just person. watched that episode of Seinfeld the other day. <laughs> yeah. but if you think about it, Ariel's only 16, so using a young actress makes sense. And yeah, Alyssa true. Milano was flattered because, like, why wouldn't you be? Yeah, Ariel's yeah. very pretty. Um, but if you look at them side by side, you can see it for sure so ariel has six sisters all with a names zach name them uh alana yeah aquata yeah 
Elena? No. Uh, okay. Oh. Oh. No, no. I, I do. I, yeah. Yeah, you got me on this one. <laughs> Ariel's sister's names. Yeah. That's going uh, yeah, to be something in there. Aquata, Alana, like you said. Andrina, yeah. Arista, Adela, and Atina. All of them named after various things in crew member creators' lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, fun fact, as we've already talked about, Ursula was based off of an octopus as well as divine. Uh, what I didn't mention was the specific octopus. They actually based it off of the Disney nature film Monsters of the Deep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah Disney had a there. very big big nature department. They still mm-hmm. do, don't they? Well, it was oh, kind absolutely. of absolutely. Yeah, it, like it they still went away for Disney nature film. I think it went away for a for a more than a decade at one point because uh, and then they made a big reemergence yeah, of Disney Earth film. Yeah, like yeah. they're doing it now though, right? Yeah. Like they they still come out with those. Yeah, but it was like a big thing that Disney himself hmm. wanted to do and he actually won a number of Oscars for best documentary shorts and stuff like that back in the, like the 50s and maybe late 40s. Oh, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit already about Hans Christian Andersen. Um, he took mermaids from dangerous enchantresses, which is what they were before, mm-hmm. to become spirits of the sea. So not these scary things that sailors have to fear or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like sirens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in the original story, like Zach said, transformation, violent, painful, terrible. She's in a lot of pain. Obviously, they're not going to put that in a children's film. Um, her motivation was that she wanted to become immortal, not that she wanted to fall in love. As a mermaid, she could live to 300, and then she would turn into sea foam. But she wants to live forever. So she makes a deal with the sea witch, who isn't a crazy villain. Like, she helps Ariel. She's like, sure, go ahead. And, of course, in the book, Ariel is not her name. None of them have names. They are the Little Mermaid, the Sea Witch, the Sea King. The grandmother, who is not in the movie. Um, failure, in this case, if she does not manage to make the prince fall in love with her so she can become immortal, instant death. Mm. Yeah. But he falls in love with someone else. So, doesn't really go her way. Her sisters trade their hair for a knife to help her out somehow. I didn't actually read the story. This is from a summary. Um, but she ends up giving up eventually she throws the knife into the ocean tosses herself in the ocean turns into sea foam she's dead well she the whole purpose of the knife was she had to kill the prince yeah yeah oh. she was trying to kill, to kill, kill the, the prince, prince. And, and then she refused to yeah so also in the in the book it's not bad for mermaids to go up to the surface they can do it whenever they want to they can go hang out up there um but Ariel's sisters just or the little mermaid sisters don't care to she just does they're all fine with their underwater life. She's just bored with it. And also, there is a statue of the prince in the book. Oh. So, yeah. Did they did they bring it out the sea for a little bit on a ship? I, and... That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, moving on to the next part. We talked about awards already a little bit. We talked about Oscars. Original score, Alan Menken won. Obviously, his fears that he didn't do a good job were unfounded um because then he goes on to be amazing several more times several Um, more times Mm -hmm. one of the most recognized score um scores in by the academy now i think only behind like john williams Hmm. yeah he's pretty amazing 
uh, Best Song, Under the Sea, like we said, and nominee Kiss the Girl. Um, they also were nominated for Best Motion Picture Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes. They did not win, oh, but they okay. were nominated. Um, and Alan Menken's name now may be synonymous with Disney, but like I said, it wasn't always that way. Never written a score before, like Zach said. It was his dry run. And it worked out for him. Yeah, that's uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, originally, when Little Mermaid was, like, in the storyboard process, like, still planning it out, whatever, um, they were, Disney was actually working on a sequel for Splash, um, <laughs> but Ron Clemens pitched The Little Mermaid, and they were like, well, we don't want to make two mermaid films. That's too many mermaids. So they turned it down originally. But then eventually they're like, oh, it's a fairy tale we haven't done. Like, let's do it. I think they made the right choice. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, another fun fact. Originally, they were not going with Pat Carroll for the voice of Ursula. They wanted B. Arthur from Golden Girls. <laughs> However, she didn't know that. Her agent declined on her behalf. Yeah. Oh. yeah so she, she missed out. Literally, That's I think it was like the director or something like that just randomly ran into her and just and he just said oh why did you say no to it and she's just like what yeah yeah man that's i wonder crazy. if she fired her agent after that i would have yeah I know, yeah i would mind uh, you it's important to think about it this way that's just pat carroll's performance on it is just so oh, yeah. amazing yeah, yeah it, at the same is, time. it is great, but like, yeah. B. Arthur is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Totally. Like, is the I don't know if she has singing chops. Yeah, I mean, you never know. That's but true. It That's still true. would have been cool. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. Of course. Um, more background catches. Part of your world, you can see a bust that appears to be Abraham Lincoln, um, and Ariel. The painting she swims up to to touch the fire. It's a famous painting by Georges de la Tour called Magdalene with a Smoking Flame. So, mm -hmm. a couple little real things thrown in there. Yeah, you know, a bit of the yeah. Virgin Mary there. Yeah, and speaking of part of your world, they did a test screening. People didn't really like it, so they almost cut it out of the movie. But then the next test screening, they did. They decided to keep it in. Well, obviously paid off. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but no. it's very crucial for the story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It is necessary for the story. Like I don't know what yeah. they'd replace it with or how to smooth that over if it was gone, no. but. Well, it's, it's, de yeah, it's definitely not my favorite. No, but it's, it's definitely well known and well loved. Yeah. In in my opinion, it's not. It's definitely not in my top five for I want songs. Yeah. But it's good song. Yeah, it's it's still a, is a decent one. Coming from someone who did a lot of musical theater growing up, uh, it's a good song for singing. <laughs> it's very nice. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and that information about part of your world comes to you from the documentary Howard about Howard Ashman. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. Um, all right. Another fun fact for you: they had limited resources, and the animation for this movie was intense. So, they did most of it on their own, but they hired Pacific Rim Productions to hand paint the bubbles. How many bubbles do you think there were? Millions. Oh, yeah. They hand painted every single one because they you, wanted each one to be unique. Could you imagine being the artists? That Disney walks up to and says, hey, we want you to paint millions of individual bubbles. 
I mean, they probably paid really well, so. I mean, yeah, they probably paid fantastically, but man, I would, oh. That would be such a, you know, nine-to-five clock-watching job yeah. for an animator. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, when you actually watch it, you see, if you actually pay attention to the bubbles, because, yeah, I've actually heard this fact before, so I actually have looked at the film and thought of the bubbles at times, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, almost any time somebody, like, swishes a hand, just, like, whoosh, it's just, like, yeah. bubbles, 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 bubbles. And every single one of those is unique. Yeah. That's no copy-paste yet. Yeah. Well, hopefully they didn't turn into the Bubbles character from Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This My is a, a fun sort of crossover fact, not ever confirmed, but people did some digging. Theories. Um, Ariel and Hercules, cousins. Cousins? King, well, cousins once removed. King Triton is the son of Poseidon, brother of Zeus. So technically, Triton and Hercules are cousins. But there you go. Oh, hey, that's yeah. neat. Yeah, that's I never not thought like, about that before. It's not yeah. like a specific real part of Disney lore or anything, but yeah. like yeah. No, but King Triton is a character in in Greek yeah, mythology. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's kind of cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, another fun fact. If the scene where Ursula emerged from the sea seemed familiar to you, it's echoed from another Disney film uh, where Monstro rises from the murky depths in Pinocchio. Because mm. there's a lot yeah. of times, so many times, that Disney copies their animation. Monstro oh, yeah. is the whale? Yeah, Monstro yeah. Is, is the yeah, whale. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. and yeah, as, as terrifying as, as Ursula is, Monstro is just a flippin' nightmare. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Um, another fun fact, the sailors that are dancing on Prince Eric's ship, not pirates, <laughs> sailors, they are caricatures of the team that worked on the film. Well, that's Whoa, awesome. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I thought that was neat. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who would be the grumbly old man waving a fish at, the, at Grimsby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And the voice of Triton was not who they originally considered either. Who do you think might have been a good... Triton. Thinking about like the era, what's popular back then. Mm. What big names of like slightly older men. No. That's a Van good Dam. guess. <laughs> also a good guess, but no. That's Chuck Norris. Keith David. He was a little busy exploring the sp- exploring space. Jean Luc Picard? Patrick Stewart. Well Yes. Yeah. That, that, the, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I guess I'm a Star Trek fan. Yes. <laughs> That's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, he everybody was knows filming... Picard's better than Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. He was filming The Next Generation, so he couldn't do it. Yeah. Mm. I've, I've also heard that Picard, that, well, I, no, I'm saying Picard. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've heard, what I've is heard he that, best known for? I've heard that Stewart uh, tried for a number of times to, like, he was considered for a number of roles throughout the years and he finally got one but it was in like the worst possible movie put out there which one did patrick stewart get a role in oh you don't want to know <laughs> is it it's not like dinosaur is it a chicken little uh, hey hey <laughs> I remember distinctly liking Chicken Little. I couldn't tell you what it's about nowadays, but I remember liking it. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't age very well. No? <laughs> uh, is that the one where it's like the sky is falling? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I liked that one. <laughs> 
I guess we'll have to watch that. It's a few months away. Yeah, that's that's a ways away, but yes. (laughs) So, another fun fact. Disney originally didn't want to release on VHS because they were going to do their re-release seven years later, but they decided to do it anyways. They made $23 million on VHS, $7 million on DVDs once they came out too. And then they did re-release eight years later because they had to compete with one of my favorite movies of all time, Fox's Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. And then they made another $27 million with that release. Here's the, a fun fact in regards to those release dates. Okay. Um, the original release date I for, uh, for Little Mermaid coincided with a Don Bluth film. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm trying to remember exactly which one it was. I think it was All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, classic. Yeah, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Really messed up movie. Like, I I look at it now and I'm just like, why is this a kid's movie? This is the, like, I'm not going to go on a rant about All Dogs Go to Heaven. But then the re-release, again, goes on to a different Don Bluth film with Anastasia. Just because they want to to destroy Don Bluth. Because... (laughs) In case you're wondering, Don Bluth used to work for Disney, okay. and then he went away to create his own studio, making Land Before Time. But uh, Land Before Time movies were dope. Yeah, the Pebble and the Penguin, Thumbelina. That, uh, Pebble oh. and the Penguin. I'm not sure is Don Bluth. I think that one's a MGM studio. No, nope. Pebble and the Penguin is Don Bluth. Okay. Well, I'm I'm happy that somebody else knows about that film at the very least. I thought I was the oh. only one that remembered that movie. I've so never good. heard of Pebble and the Penguin. Well, it. It's Classic. got decent music and Tim Curry's the villain, so you got. Oh, I two, like Tim Curry. And, yeah, everybody likes Tim Curry, especially when he gets a villain song. That's yeah. true. I mean, can you think of Tim Curry as being anything other than a villain? Yeah, but you can't you can't call Frankenfurter a villain. He's just weird. That's, That's true. He's he's not he's a villain. A little. A little uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's my iconic Tim. Curry okay, so that is that is that is what you know Tim Curry from is. is... I know him from everything. Well, yeah, so I'm just that is when you say Tim Curry. When Tim you say Curry. Tim Curry, the image of Tim Curry that immediately comes to your mind, Doctor is... Frankenfurter. Yeah. Okay, mine. Uh, oh, nuts! What is mine? Um, Legend. Hmm. Legend. No, I don't. I've never seen Legend. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, I think mine is Clue. Clue's good. Clue, interesting. Yeah, That's definitely. Interesting choice. Yeah, well, Clue is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what about I just you? Don't what hear what do you talk about it a lot? Wait, if if I say Tim Curry, who? What do you think? Annie. 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 He's Rooster. Hmm. Well, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah, that's that's different. I also think he of a uh, not, theater kid. <laughs> I, I also think of Muppet Chris, uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Muppet Treasure Island. Nice. That's another one that, that comes to my mind with Tim Curry. Yeah. yeah. Alright, we're Any, on a tangent. That, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go back to the little mermaid. <laughs> Alright. Um okay, we already talked about this a little bit. The phallic castle turret. So there were uh, rumors that an animator did that on purpose, but that has been yeah. uh, he was, it was tired and I mean honestly, almost all the castle is already kinda like that. It's just kind of like uh, mm. I, I had yeah. heard that, like, someone had gotten, like, let go or whatever and did it, like, on their way out. Urban legend. Oh. That, that, for, yeah, that's for that, for, I think you, that might be from the rescuers you're thinking of. So, so, hold on. Basically, Disney saw a dick castle and said, 
why did you draw a dick castle? And he's like, oh, I was just tired. It was an accident. And we just accept it? <laughs> you, That's what you happened. Know, I believe it with the kind of schedules that they had. Yeah. yeah oh, okay, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Another fun fact for you. Jody Benson recorded her songs in the dark to simulate being underwater. Oh. So she could yeah. be like Ariel. Be a part of her world. If you I, I saw some of that that Strange footage with voice role. Yeah, I saw some of that footage with uh, with Howard Ashman when he was coaching her and stuff. It's really cool to see. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's like the method acting of singing, I guess. Well, she was Broadway, so yeah, fair. Yeah. Speaking of Broadway, they tried to make Little Mermaid into a Broadway musical in 2008 with new songs. Didn't do well. Scrapped by 2009. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work out. And final fun fact before I get into a little bit about the voice actors. Uh, The Little Mermaid was actually the first collaboration between Pixar and Disney. Mm -hmm. They used uh, the final shot. Interesting. I thought that they would have worked on some of those other scenes like the ship or the the staircase because there was moments that you could definitely see feel computer animation in those in those two moments because what was what was the final shot that required computer animation uh the rainbow oh yeah this of course coming from the internet could Mm. be wrong uh it's hard to fact check everything on the (laughs) internet sometimes but that is what it said yeah now getting into voice actors some facts about them so ariel jody benson already established obviously oh. i am a fan i love her i love her as barbie <laughs> yes i i will touch on that um this was her second credit on imdb she was a stage actress before um she's featured as ariel so many more times like if ariel's in a thing i love it when when voice actors do that yeah it's kind of cool but like own their character yeah yes like it's very common with disney i feel mm. like mm. um like Zach mentioned, she was Barbie. That was in Toy Story three, <laughs> and Toy Story two. Was she in Toy Story two? Yeah, there was there was mentioned. Barbie in there. I don't think it was Jodie Benson hmm. though. I thought it was her. It didn't mention Toy Story two when what I was looking at, but I mean, it could be just another voice actress. <laughs> uh, confirmed. Tour guide Barbie and Barbie on on backpack in Toy Story two. Jodie Benson. So she was. Yeah, in she, that so too? she was okay. always Barbie on Toy Story series. Cool. Um, Enchanted, she's in that, and there's a little Little Mermaid Easter egg in there. She like she's it's live action, so it's her. Yeah. You can see her. Yeah. Um, but that's really fun. She this is something that I didn't know, and pleasantly surprised me. She's the voice of Thumbelina, Don Bluth movie. Oh. I love Thumbelina, um, so I was surprised I didn't know that, but quite interesting to me. Yeah. Um, she was the voice of. Weebo in Flubber. Oh, I love Flubber. Flubber. I used to really yeah. like Flubber too. Uh, um, and then she was like we mentioned originally a stage actress, and Howard Ashman had worked with her on a Broadway musical called Smile, and he was the one that brought her in to be Ariel because mm-hmm. he thought she'd be perfect for it. Um, and my final thing about Jodie Benson, um, not a fact, just something that has been blowing my mind a little bit um i've been listening to a podcast another podcast (laughs) how dare you called i know (laughs) gotta stop listening to other podcasts but um called 
I Hear Voices, hosted by Christy Carlson Romano and Will Friedle, a.k.a. Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. Very good podcast. They bring in just voice actors and just talk to them. So I'm learning a lot about what it takes to be a voice actor. Other than and being famous? it's not just... Well, yeah, and it's not just about being able to do a voice. You have to act. There's a lot of acting that goes into it. So the fact that Jodie Benson is Ariel, but also Ursula as a human, and has to, like, convey these different things and basically mm-hmm. be Pat Carroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, amazing. Yeah. The talent behind that, incredible. Yeah. So I just have even more respect for Jodie Benson now. But, yeah. And if you have not heard that podcast, I recommend it. Maybe if we share enough fans, they'll uh, <laughs> oh. give oh, us that, a shout out. That, that makes me think of something else that I that I remember seeing was um, uh, in the final Harry Potter movie when Emma Watson has to like imper- like Hermione is impersonating Bellatrix. So then they're in the bank, and she's so this is like I think they had to do like two or three things. So they first had her pretending or uh, had uh, Emma Watson pretending to be Bellatrix, but then, and then, uh, Helena Bonham Carter pretending to be Hermione yeah. doing that. So essentially yeah. emulating what Emma Watson did. So it was just yeah. like back yeah. and forth, just trying to do it. That was just what made me think of that. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> I think that was, I think Harry Potter, like the last one was seven part two, right? Correct. Yeah. I think that was the one I only went to because they promised me a dark Knight rises trailer. And the entire camp staff was going. And I was like, well, fine. I'll go with the rest of the staff if there's a Dark Knight Rises trailer. And there wasn't. And I was so (laughs) mad. And, like, I watched the movie. And I I didn't like it. But... No, I didn't either. I I like 7 Part 1. And that's, like, saying something. Because I don't really like Harry Potter movies in general. Mm -hmm. But I do like 7 Part 1. It's very 7 Part 2, I thought, was just going to build on that. And I was Mm -hmm. like... I thought I was going to get, like the next level and it just didn't do it for me uh i loved it but i am a very big harry That's potter fair, fan yeah. and it breaks my heart into a million pieces and stomps yeah, on it because oh. it stomps on it because you know that final battle was just horrible oh. it did the book so bad anyways anyway tangent again off track again <laughs> so prince eric he was voiced by Christopher Daniel Barnes, who was only 17 years old when he voiced Was he him. as handsome as Prince Eric at the time? I don't... Hmm. He's not bad looking. <laughs> not gonna lie, um, I, think and he... I think Prince Eric is definitely, you know, my favorite of the Disney princes. Because he's... I, I think I... you're on the right track there. Do you think that Justin Trudeau looks like him? Because that's what everybody was saying when Justin Trudeau you was know, elected. Could, Everyone oh, in America was it. like, Prince Eric's your prime minister? Like, okay, I I, I, yeah, yeah, facial structure, hair, hair styles. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. And, yeah. and Similar. smiles. Yeah. yeah, I could totally see you it. You know, think what you will of Justin Trudeau. We're not going to get into politics, but he's not a bad-looking man. You know, a lot better than Boris Johnson, that's for sure. Boris Johnson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That doesn't you're, take much. Uh, you're welcome for that. You're welcome no. for that. <laughs> um, so Christopher Daniel Barnes, he has done a lot of voice acting, particularly in the world of Spider-Man. Ooh. And he's played Spidey himself as well as many other characters. If you look at his IMDb credits, there's a lot of Spider-Man. Nice. There. Good for so him. That was interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Sebastian. His voice was Samuel E. Wright. Yes. Um, Sebastian. <laughs> Sebastian's full name is Horatio Felonius Ignatius Crustaceus Sebastian. They actually say it in the movie. <laughs> I think I do remember yep. that. They have like an introductory yeah. seahorse. Yeah. So. Um, interesting things that he has done. He played Mufasa in the original Broadway Lion King cast. Ooh. Oh, I listened to his one of his songs that he sings in it, and he's so good. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. So, he was also in another Disney movie, Dinosaur. Very infamous everyone's, movie at this point. <laughs> everyone's favorite, um, playing Crone, the Iguanodon. I will say one thing about that movie. Three-year-old boys that like dinosaurs like that movie. I was I was yeah. once a young boy who liked dinosaurs, and I did not enjoy that movie. You were not three <laughs> when it came out, though. Well, I was still pretty young. What year is like? Was it like ninety-eight or something? Two thousand. Two thousand seven. That's right. you know, that, I'm still pretty young. All right. I feel like you were raised with more unique interests. Though. That is that is true. Yeah. You you you, you yeah. were already watching uh, Titanic on repeat at that point. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> greatest oh, movie of all time i forgot that about you really yeah wow what you, you, that's you, like you, a core you thing yeah. about yeah it is he's, he's got a titanic tattoo on his ribs yeah, I know. it's one of my like yeah. most fundamental building blocks of who i am yeah i don't know what that part of my brain went away that's you're, always you know, that, that of, memory thing you're talking about that's always one of my yeah. fun facts when i do like two truths and a lie It'll always just be like, I stopped counting how many times I've seen Titanic when I hit 500. And people will mm. always call me on that. There's no way you go watch a movie 500 times. And I'm like, let me show you how I watched a movie 500 times. VHS <laughs> Rewinders. Yeah. <laughs> Rewinders. Yeah. All right. And last, last fact about Samuel E. Wright. Unfortunately, he did pass away last year. Oh. Um, but. He lived a pretty long, good life, so that's good. Um, Flounder, voiced by Jason Marin. That's it. That's all I have about him. <laughs> Not a very big career. That's fair. Um, Scuttle <laughs> was voiced by Buddy Hackett. And fun fact about Buddy, he actually suffered from Bell's palsy as a child, mm. and the lingering effects of that contributed to his distinctive slurred speech and facial expression. Interesting. Well, it it yeah. worked. That's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ursula, voiced by Pat Carroll. She is currently 95 years old. Still kicking. Yeah. She was old when yep. this came out. <laughs> yep. Uh, she's done a lot of work with Disney, and here's something interesting. She once sued Hanna-Barbera in 1963 for $12,000, which today would be almost $113,000, um, because she claimed she was originally cast as Jane Jetson with a contract stating she'd be paid $500 an episode, 24 episodes guaranteed, but she was recast after the first one. Ooh, quite a contract. She lost. She lost. Yeah, Hanna-Barbera yeah. won the won the Legal team. Um, yeah. Yeah. Grimsby. Uh, his name is Ben Wright, and he has also played Roger in 101 Dalmatians. He also was in Jungle Book as Bagheera. Yes. He was Mowgli's wolf dad. Wolf dad? Oh, Akila. Akila. So that was a very small role. Ooh. I think he had like two lines. Then. 
stealing my Jump, fun fact. Jumping in with wrong. the wrong information. Chef Louis, played by, I'm going to say this wrong, Rene Aubergenois. Um, he is actually a Tony winning actor and he has over 200 acting credits. Oh, wow. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still love the fact that in the in the live version that was done on TV, they got John Stamos to play him. Oh, really? Yeah, it was it was pretty I never outrageous. watched that. Honestly, I saw a commercial for it once and was like, I think I'm good. I put it on yeah, for I my kids watch to watch on Disney Plus just because. And mm. Queen Latifah's amazing, but John Stamos is just ridiculous. Fair. Just way too over the top French. Because he's, you know, John Stamos. I love him. <laughs> yes, because of Uncle Jesse, of course. Yeah. Um, King Triton, voiced by Kenneth Mars. Uh, he also voiced Grandpa Longneck in The Land Before Time. Ooh. He has worked with Mel Brooks, Peter Bogdanovich, and Woody Allen. Uh, he is also in Thumbelina. He played a big role in Malcolm in the Middle. Classic. Mm. He's in We're Back, a dinosaur story. He's in Adventures in Odyssey. We were just He's talking in... about We're Back the other day. Yeah, my kids are oh, watching that one I, in the van. I remember loving that one. I don't remember what it's like now. I just remember dinosaurs it... come back to like modern day New York, and that was like. But the, they're also smart. The coolest thing to me. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think no, that's the whole reason because yeah. it because of your childlike wonder <laughs> at the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a. It's a very nice short film for car rides for preschool age children. Fair. It's fair. Um, Kenneth Mars was also in Fievel's American Tales, um, but sadly he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it made him so sick that he couldn't reprise his role as Triton in The Little Mermaid Ariel's Beginning. Mm -hmm. So Jim Cummings mm. was actually the voice of Triton. And okay. we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about Jim Cummings over yeah, the next several yep. months, especially years, with, however long yes. we record this for. Yeah, especially with the the Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. I've met him. You've He's met very Jim nice. Cummings? You've met Jim Cummings. So like an expo. So you yeah. What do you have signed by him? I didn't get anything signed by him that oh. year. We got something signed by um, Ratzenberger. Oh. All right. Um, I guess yeah. that that was a ham moment for us. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jim Cummings, one of the things he was offering was he was recording people's voicemail messages for them as his characters. Uh, okay, so which character did you get him to voice? I didn't. Do, I don't uh, have. I'm not so made cool. of money. Uh, I can only really afford to be I, one I've never. I've never been in a place with like an exceptionally good expo. Like Edmonton's was all right. I got to meet like stan lee one year and charlie cox another but like the winnipeg expo was garbage they had like yeah. three people and the only one i wanted was lou ferrigno which lou ferrigno dope i love that but then he yeah. canceled and all yeah. they all they gave us in exchange was the people who play mary and pippin from like lord of the rings i'm like i don't care I mean, about that that's <laughs> cool too i've seen one of them when i went to an uh taping of at midnight they were mm. like a guest on at midnight yeah. but billy like, boyd and Dom dominic mohaganen yeah i think dominic monaghan, monaghan was monaghan. the one that i saw this is what i get yeah. for reading but names. like i just want to live like calgary gets such a baller expo oh calgary, like, tyler and i are definitely expo. going to calgary so is calgary our, our san diego 
Calgary. I don't know if Calgary's our San Diego. I would almost put that more on Toronto. Oh, well, okay, yeah, I guess. But um, Calgary Between has the two of them. Calgary gets a great show. Like they get yeah. big names. Mm. Well, the reason ours was so good was we were shared with Calgary. Like we were oh. run by the same people. Um, and for many many years, the people that locally handled it here, yeah. very good friends of ours. Um, so I volunteered a lot. So I got to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, I'm going to tell you guys a story that's completely unrelated because we're talking about this right now. Um, so the one the one year, the first year that I went, Tyler was volunteering. I wasn't yet, so I went to visit him. And yeah. Carrie Fisher and Tom Felton were both there. That's cool. And so, yeah. And this was September, and Carrie Fisher passed away in December. Ooh. So I met her right before she passed away. That's awesome. I wish I could have um, met her. She was at, I went to a Vancouver Expo once, and it was pretty good, and she was there, but I was, like, broke, broke. I used my last dollars for, like, admission. So yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't meet her, I can't whatever. So I stood, like, really far away from her, and I pretended like I was texting, and then I tried to just get, like, a very long-distance phone picture, and, like, a security guard I didn't even see who was just like, boom, you're gonna have to put that down, sir. You can't take pictures of Miss Fisher without paying I was like, yeah. oh. See, the last year I volunteered at the expo, that was my job, was making people not take pictures. Because yeah. I was with the crew, with the celebrity guest. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, see you as being intimidated. They always in that came regard. out of nowhere. I was also pregnant. <laughs> oh, okay. So you no could throw, no you could throw hor- hormones into the mix. And it's, yeah, yeah, for real. Tyler was one of the drivers that year, so he got to drive. Um, what's his name? He plays... Uh, Ooh, challenge. Guardians of the Galaxy. Chris Pratt. Finhead. Oh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Thank okay. you. He got to drive him around, and he got to drive... Wow, why is okay. my brain not Ooh, working? Oh, another challenge. Another challenge. Give us something. Oh, my gosh. Star Wars. He's in a wheelchair now. Lando Calrissian? Billy D. Williams? Thank you. Billy D. Williams. He's in a wheelchair Yeah, Tyler now? got to drive him yeah, around. he's not doing so great. Uh, he's very old. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> this is all also a tangent off of my original tangent. So, Carrie... Carrie Fisher is there. Tom Felton is there. I don't have any money. Tyler, fortunately, does. And my sister really wanted to go meet Carrie Fisher, but she had broken her ankle, so she couldn't go. She drew this picture a while ago of Jabba the Hutt as Rose on the couch in Titanic. (laughs) With the heart of the ocean. So she says, here, take this picture. Here's my money. Get Carrie Fisher to sign this for me. So I go in the line. We're standing in line waiting for her. Suddenly, this tiny little lady walks past us. We think nothing of it. It was her. <laughs> She's very small. Um, but she had, like, a hat and glasses and stuff on. Anyway, she gets up there. We get up to her. And I say, hey, this is for my sister. She draw it, drew it. Will you sign it for her? And so she, like, gets her name. And she looks at it. She's like, is this from when Jabba was my <laughs> And I was like, yeah. She's like, okay. And she signed it. Jabba's <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> <laughs> so that was amazing that and then tom awesome. felton of course i want to meet tom felton i'm a huge harry potter fan tyler wants to meet him too so he pays for me to meet him he also bought me a hufflepuff robe that day and he bought draco mm. malfoy's wand you're, you're very, very much, good husband yeah you're very much <laughs> very a, a, you're a hufflepuff personality oh, absolutely i am Potato. i am a hufflepuff through and through thanks <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so we get in line and our friend who you know graham william oh yeah gets us to the front of the line so we skip the line and he 
gets our other friend who is a photographer for the event to come over and take pictures while I'm meeting Tom Felton because we couldn't afford to pay for a six, an autograph and a picture. Yeah. So we got around it. <laughs> so Nathan's snapping pictures of us while we're getting Draco Malfoy to sign Draco Malfoy's wand. I'm wearing a shirt that says Hogwarts alumni. So he's like, oh, that's really cool. And little known fact about Tom Felton, he makes music. <laughs> Very cheesy music, but I love it. And he raps in one of his songs. And I love it so much so i get over my fangirling and finally look at him and i'm like you know you're my favorite rapper if that's all right with you is one of my favorite songs and he looks at me and he goes thank you and he <laughs> high fives me does one of those high fives where he then grabs my hand and i have a picture of tom felton holding my hand <gasps> that's funny making one you of the cry just thinking of it oh it was so cool anyways funny. so i that- I love it. I couldn't even talk when I met Stanley. I oh, kind of just gave him the book, and he's just like, he asked, like, my, like, he's like, oh, is this yours or whatever? And I was like, yes, sir. And then he read <laughs> something, and he signed it, and he's just like, Excelsior. And I was like, thank you, sir. And I walked away. <laughs> I couldn't Amazing. talk to him. So, so, so let me, let me get this straight. You, you pulled, um, a community moment. Pretty much like the LeVar Burton moment. Yeah, the kind LeVar of. Burton. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't With talk. Troy. I just, yeah, I said like, yes, sir, and thank you, sir. That was it. Charlie Cox was totally different. He was, he was awesome. He mm. let us take selfies with him and stuff. We didn't even oh. have to pay for the pictures. He, I love that. He like grabbed the book and he was like, Shadowland, awesome. I was just reading this on the, on the plane. So he talked about Shadowland for a bit. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> He's the nicest Very guy. Nice. All right. <laughs> Wait, I have one more voice oh, actor. One more, one more voice actor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, final voice actor, Carlotta. Um, she is. Is that like everywhere. the maid? Yeah, she's everywhere. Her name is Edie McClurg. Um, oh. I personally recognize her from one of my favorite TV shows, Seventh Heaven. Uh, <laughs> um, she, never seen it. Yeah, she is also in Flubber. There's actually a lot of crossovers with this cast, uh, but hmm. she was also in Flubber, and she's in Frozen, Wreck It Ralph, Cars Two, A Bug's Life. So, mm. Disney voice. Yeah. And that concludes fun facts and trivia. Okay, hands down the longest of the segments today. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, that's what we get. This is there's fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just us having a good time, and people get to hear us having a good time. Yeah, there's like four or five tangents in there, but it'll work. Yeah. Hey, it means we're we're authentic. <laughs> yeah. Totally. All right. So now that we're back onto the Little Mermaid, uh, I'm gonna ask, uh, what is your favorite moment? I'm gonna start with Brandon. What's your favorite moment in this movie? Uh, my favorite moment of the movie is. It's a mix. It's either Scuttle dive bombing or right through the with, with, with the ship. Yeah, just, yeah, you know, it's one of the two. All right. Sarah, what's your favorite moment? I think this is heavily influenced by my sister, uh, but the end when she walks out of the water in like the sparkly dress. It's very pretty. Yeah. That's another I, that's another question I had actually, now that you bring that up. How did she get a dress? The magic of Disney. Does, how does Triton know how to make dresses? You gotta uh, he has, your disbelief when it's Disney. <laughs> Here's the thing. You could also just consider his Triton uh, uh, like the Trident like a Greek mytholo- mythological device. 
Like, they were yeah. able to do a lot of things in yeah. Greek mythology. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, him as a merman but has the probably was... never seen a human dress in his life. That's, How does he that, know? That's, that's true. And it's a flattering maybe, dress, maybe too. The like, How did he know? Maybe and the trident does, knows. Maybe the trident is sentient. Like, she does not look like a 16-year-old in that dress. No. I'll tell you that. Um, but my <laughs> Quite, sister loves no. that scene and has influenced me, and I actually found her a Funko Pop figure last year of Ariel in that dress. Oh, Ooh. that's cool. I didn't know yeah. they got that specific with the... A fun, yeah. a fun fact in regards to the moment yeah. right before that, where with the with King Trident, uh, or Triton, King Triton, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so the moment before with King Triton... And talking with Sebastian in the original uh, iteration of the film, it was just him being like wordless and seeing her over there, and then just kind of using the trident and then having the, it change. So it was a wordless moment, but having him have an, a conversation and then have this wonderful line where he just says, "Well, I guess there's only one problem left: how much I'm gonna miss her." Yeah. And it's just such a heartbreaking thing. That moment actually comes directly from Howard Ashman. That one oh, is okay. is direct from him. He like he wrote it in there when they were trying to figure out how to make the scene work. And he just like, how about we do this? And it just it's just a beautiful fatherly moment. And it's just because mm. yeah. it's just you feel you get the feels from that just that line because no no father wants to say goodbye to his little girl. Yeah. That was just the interesting fact in regards to that scene that you find so yeah. wonderful. <laughs> uh, so my favorite moment is Poor Unfortunate Souls. I think that choreography-wise, song-wise, it's just amazing. Just the way that they they portray her, like with the sultry nature that you, you were talking about yeah. at, at length there, Brandon, that is... Uh, it just works so well, and then, but again, the intensity that that drives it, yeah. And you can actually feel, and I can actually re understand why Ariel agrees at a certain point because it's just you feel the pressure, yeah. You feel the pressure from this moment. Yeah, it's just so cool, and that's why it's my favorite part. It's just it's a good song, good choreography, and and just you feel the intensity. Hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, now on to the opposite end of the spectrum. Brandon, what is your least favorite moment? My least favorite moment? Um, I think it's that stretch of the movie where Ariel doesn't have a voice and Prince Eric does not recognize her despite clearly having seen her face. <laughs> like it just It's one of those just like... Okay, I guess she doesn't sound like the girl that you saw, but you saw the girl, and that is the girl that you saw. So, like... The sun was behind her, though. It, it, it obstructed just, everything. It's like, just stop being so stupid. Like, <laughs> I think that's my least favorite part of All the right. movie. All right. All right. Sarah, what is your least favorite moment? It's, it's harder than favorite, I think. I actually have to correct my favorite. <gasps> Because I was thinking about my least favorite, and it made me realize my favorite is Kiss the Girl. Okay. Mm. Like, everything about that scene, my least favorite is Flotsam and Jetsam. Knocking them over, because it ruins the scene for me, because I love that Okay, scene. okay, so your favorite is Kiss the Girl, and your least is mm -hmm. Kiss the Girl ending. <laughs> yes. Fair. <laughs> um, 
my least favorite. Hmm. I guess I should have actually thought about this <laughs> beforehand. Um, I think my least favorite might have to be a bit of like the the Le Poisson moment, like with the chef. It was just kind of oh. doesn't really serve much purpose. It does. It's it, not. It's it not doesn't. plot oriented, and it's just kind of in there for kicks. Like as a kid, it's amazing because it's yeah. hilarious and ridiculous. I mean, like he's chopping furniture apart with a steak knife. Yeah. But as an adult, it's cute, but it doesn't drive the plot. I don't really care about it. That's fair. All right. Now on to favorite musical moment. I think we already know Sarah's possibly, but uh, Brandon, favorite musical moment. Um, I'm gonna try and come from left field. I'm gonna say "Kiss the Girl." Mm. Uh, I don't know what it is. It reminds me a lot of "Can You Feel the Love Tonight." Timon and Pumbaa just mm. like watching on, setting the mood, getting everything like ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't think it's my favorite like section of the movie, but like I I would say song wise, like I like "Under the Sea." I like like the other ones. Be not be prepared. Core unfortunate souls. Mm-hmm. I think I just like the rhythm of "Kiss the Girl." Yeah. Although I am a little confused how like Flander and them are in a pond, because there's like lily pads and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it's how like did, fresh water almost. Yeah, how did Flander get? F- but you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's more a, of a lagoon, I guess. Yeah, it's a solid it's, song. I think that's where mm-hmm. I'm getting at. <laughs> so Sarah, what yeah. is your favorite musical moment? Shocker! It's "Kiss the Girl." Uh, it is one of my go-to karaoke songs. <laughs> Love that song. Now, for me, favorite musical moment is, again, Kiss the Girl. <laughs> I think, yeah, like... Such diversity. Here, here, here's the fun thing, is that Poor Unfortunate <laughs> Souls is my favorite part of the movie, but Kiss the Girl is the song I want to listen to. Uh, is the song I want to mm-hmm. have in my head and just... I just love the 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 different parts. I love again. It's a crescendo song. It starts off nice and sultry, and then it crescendos, and you just you want to dance to it. You can see this yeah. is as far as like Broadway is is concerned. Yes, the film itself does not per- translate well to Broadway, but that song would, in my opinion, like yeah, you could fair. see you could see choreography going along with it you could hear the music and uh, just the crescendo it's just very broadway yeah and i just love it i remember listening like listening to it i might not have cared about the movie but kiss the girl was always one of those songs i listened to yeah it's a good song yeah all right now on to final thoughts and a letter grade brandon i liked it better than snow white i was surprised to remember or to see how many songs i remembered actually I think the narrative is kind of lacking in not like morals, but like meaning or like a good message. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm confused about its message that it's sending towards its target audience, but I think it's fun. Um, and that's really when you focus on the fun, I give it a B. Okay. I'd say good. Not great, but good. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what are your final thoughts and letter grade on this film? I give it an A. I love The Little Mermaid. I don't care if it teaches me bad (laughs) things. The music's good. The animation's good. The characters are fun. 
it's nice to look at. It's nice to listen to. So can't get tired of it. Yeah. I'm going to go with the middle ground here and go with a B plus. I think that the music greatly propels it. And the plot is quite streamlined. It really works. Um, and again, the characters were, were pretty decent. And as, as I get older, I definitely relate more and more with King Triton. And that makes me feel old, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> as far as the film goes, I give it a B plus. Nice. Cool. All right. So me and Sarah have to ask Brandon a question. Brandon, are you a Disney fan yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dude. good, because this would be, like, we have lots more to go. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah two films in. All right, so, now, next time on Making a Disney Fan Podcast, we will be journeying into the first feature-length film done by Pixar. And that is the ever-wonderful classic of Toy Story. So, uh, Sarah, where can uh, fans of the show follow us and reach us? We have an Instagram account. It is at makingadisneyfan.pod. Feel free to follow. Reach out to us via DM, comment if you want to send in questions or comments, anything. Maybe you'll get your question read out on the podcast. Uh, we would love to interact with you a bit. You can also feel free to leave us a five-star review if you feel so inclined where you listen to your podcast. Um, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out. All right, and that is the end of our podcast. I'm Zach, oddly known as Prince Eric. TTFN, ta-ta for now. And just keep swimming. <laughs> All of our artwork is created by Becca Riley. You can go find her on Instagram at Becca Riley Art, spelled B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. Our theme song was written and performed by Marcus Beveridge. You can listen to more of his music on Instagram at marcus.and.sarah.music, performing alongside me, your favorite Making a Disney fan lady. We hope you'll come back for our next episode soon you for listening to making a disney fan we hope to see you next time good night and have a pleasant tomorrow